In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Breathe in us, O Holy Spirit, that all our thoughts may be holy. Act in us, O Holy Spirit, that all our work, too, may be holy. Draw our hearts, O Holy Spirit, that we love what is holy. Strengthen us, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard us then, O Holy Spirit, that we always may be holy. Our Lady, Seat of Wisdom, pray for us. St. John the Beloved, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Maria Goretti, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Welcome to all of you. Some of you have traveled from nearby. Some of you have traveled from quite some distance to be here, to be with you, to be with you on the day that you are going to be with Jesus for the first time in a very special and holy way. In particular, I do want to welcome Father Jacques-Henri, who is here from, Fer- from Paris, France, not Paris, Arkansas, that's different, from St. Luke Parish. He's Bernice's uncle. So it's a beautiful, um, a beautiful day. When we, um, you just heard me pray to the Holy Spirit, we're in these days between Ascension Thursday and Pentecost, when the apostles and Mary and other disciples spent nine days in prayer. Um, The next big sacrament is confirmation, so here's a sneak preview. The apostles and Mary weren't afraid after the Ascension. When we read the ends of the Gospels and the beginning of Acts of the Apostles, we see that they were jubilant. They went back to Jerusalem rejoicing and praising God in the temple and praying together in the upper room and discerning who God wanted to replace Judas. They were obedient to Jesus. Jesus said, go back and wait. You will be clothed with power from on high. That's then the moment when you'll go into the world and make disciples of all nations. Now, they certainly were given the gift of courage at Pentecost, without a doubt. They were being obedient. They were ready. They were ready to go. But what they were about to do with the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost was to be the instrument of God's grace and salvation for other people. By that time, they had already received our Lord, body, blood, soul, and divinity at the Last Supper. They had already become believers. They had already become followers of Jesus. And so in these days between Ascension Thursday and Pentecost, we do what they did. We pray. We pray especially to the Holy Spirit that we can continue to be open to the Holy Spirit. Even if we receive the gift of confirmation already, chances are we can be even more open to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Why? <clears throat> Why do we call some things holy? What, is it, what does it mean for something to be holy? Do you have an idea, suggestion? What do you think? What do you think? Something's holy because it's been touched by God. That's awesome. What else? What does it mean for something to be holy? Yeah? So when it's blessed. So when God touches something, we call that thing blessed, Right? When, God, when, when that thing is able to receive what God wants to impart to it, it's been blessed. It's been given a, a good grace. 
what else what else do you think of when you when you hear the word holy? What does it mean to be holy? Yeah? Okay, you guys are great students. This is fantastic. So what he just said was that it, for something to be holy, for something to remain holy, doesn't mean that it's just been touched once by God, but that God remains in contact with it. And so um, that's beautiful. A few months ago, Father Sina went on a pilgrimage. He led some parishioners to the Holy Land. We call the Holy Land holy because that's where Jesus lived. That's where he was born, in Bethlehem of Mary. That's where he was dedicated in the temple. That's where he grew up, in Nazareth. That's where Jesus walked. It's the land that Jesus touched, so we call that land holy. And one of the pilgrims who was on that pilgrimage brought back, for me, a relic. It's a rosary, a beautiful little rosary. I'm almost afraid to touch it because it's so delicate. But this rosary has been touched to the spot where Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And this rosary was touched to the place where Jesus died on the cross on Calvary. And then it was touched to the stone that marks the spot where Jesus' body was prepared for burial. And so this is a, this is a very special holy thing. It's, now, it's a holy thing now. Now, I can, I, can, I can bless something and ask God to, to come down and impart his goodness to it. Your parents can bless you. Maybe they do at nighttime before you go to bed. All of us maybe, you know, we ask God to bless our food before we eat it. This is something special because, in a sense, this has been, instead of asking God to come down on something, this thing was, was lifted up and, um, and touched to Jesus through the things that he touched on earth, through the things that touched him and that remain holy. I doubt I'm just going to throw this into a, a dresser drawer and forget about it, right? This is special. But what's even holier than touching something that was touched by God? What do you think? Hmm? Being there in person and touching Jesus, right? So what else is holier than just something being touched by, yeah? Hmm? God himself. That's awesome. So you're about to receive first Holy communion, that means that you are about to receive God. God's going to be inside of you. When, when we come into church, we, um, we, uh, we come in and we genuflect and we go into our pew and hopefully we kneel down and we pray, right? Because we get to church a little early and we can say some prayers. One time I went into the movie theater. Do you still go to movie theaters? Yeah, okay, that's not too old-fashioned. 
um, I went into the movie theater and I got to where I wanted to sit down and I went down to genuflect because I'm used to genuflecting it. And so I, I just pretended to tie my shoe. And then, and then I got back up. So it's a good habit to, to genuflect even when you do it more often than you need to. And then your eyes are fixed. When you come into church, what are you, what are you focused on when you come into church? Yeah? The tabernacle, right? Because is there something in the tabernacle? Right. There's actually someone in the tabernacle, right? Who? Jesus in the tabernacle, of course. Now, does it look like Jesus? No, doesn't. What does it look, what if, if we open the tabernacle, what inside, Mr. Kristen? You'd see something that looks like a chalice, right? Except it's got a lid on it. So we call it a ciborium. Yeah, Mr. Nian. What do we got in the tabernacle? What does it look like? What's inside that thing that looks like a chalice? What would we see? We see the hosts, right? What do they look like? Yeah. All right. Little white round disc. Doesn't look like Jesus. But what's... Is there anything here that actually looks like Jesus? If we saw him 2,000 years ago, it would actually... Why don't you just point? You can just point, right? At the crucifix, right? That looks like Jesus. Now, what does it look like, though? Looks like a man. Is he just a man? No? Who is he? He's God. So we have the very same mystery. He, he looks like a man, and he is a man. And, actually... He's a divine person who's taken to himself our full humanity. In a very similar mystery, we look inside the tabernacle and we see food. And he really has become food for us. And he really is Jesus Christ. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. Crucified on the cross. Buried. Risen from the dead and ascended to heaven. Doesn't look like God. But this is God coming to the world, not just once, but God who remains with us. And so, in a few minutes, you're gonna, it, probably about 15 minutes after I stop talking, you are going to be able to receive Jesus inside you. You're going to be a tabernacle. Right When you go back to your pew, you're not just going to be praying out in that direction. You're going to be able to close your eyes and pray to Jesus inside of you. Completely brand new. And hopefully it's something you'd never get used to. It never gets boring. I can tell you in the greatest moments of my life and in the saddest moments of my life, the, the most beautiful experience is to be with Jesus in Holy Communion. To be able to go to Mass and to be able to share my, my great joy with God and know that what, what's being accomplished in my life isn't just, isn't just because of my efforts or it's not just because other people have done good things. It's because God is in the world. It's because God is in my life. And in the saddest moments of life, there's nothing more consoling than being at Mass 
and being with Jesus and Mary and John and, and having our Lord inside me and with me. Helping heaven feel just a little bit closer, even though it's still a distance away. And so hopefully this is a holy communion that lasts for eternity. Not just holy communion that you receive once, but the beginning of your being in communion with God that is never broken, that carries you through the great moments and the sad moments, that draws people into communion with God with you because they see what God is doing in your life, and it, and it leads you up to heaven to be with the angels and the saints. Who knows? It could be that one day the church will decide that one of you deserves to be called a saint. But all of us are called to be saints in heaven. Even if, even if the world doesn't recognize it. Even if we don't get credit. So let's make a promise because um, who's, who, um, who's supposed to be holy? Any ideas? Yeah? God already is holy, right? Who's, who's supposed to become holy? Who? We are. Who else? Well, you are. And? Everybody in the world. Who are some of the, what are some of the things that are holy? Who are some people that you think are holy? Yeah? Saints, they're in heaven. Who else? God is in heaven. God's holy. Everything's holy because it is God. Yeah? God is holy. Amen. Yes? Angels, perfect. Created by God, always in heaven. Except for the bad ones. What else? Everything that God's ever made, yeah? Amen. Jesus is holy. One of you said earlier, you think priests are holy, right? Okay. Was that, that's what you're about to say? So you need to pray that your priests become holy. Okay? And pray for your mom and dad, right? Their, their vocation is holy matrimony. We're in holy orders. They're in holy matrimony. And we'll pray for you. Because being holy can be difficult sometimes. But we're not doing this alone. That, that's one of the most beautiful parts of this moment. You're not just receiving your Holy Communion individually. We're, we're all in communion with God. You're in communion with God and with each other. So we can help each other remain holy. Sound good? Okay. Let's just do it then. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.